So how you doing? Guys look good. It's a friendly bunch this morning. Welcome to Church of the Savior this morning. My name's Bill Reeser, Pastor Reeser, charge of encounter, marriage, everything. Grateful to see you. Uh, glad you came out. You beat the storms and all that stuff. And uh, it's going to be a great morning in God's house this morning. I want to welcome all of our friends online that are watching as well. Father, we just pray that you would fill us fresh today with everything that you have for us. Destroy everything of self. Destroy unbelief today. Let faith rise in your house this morning. Expand our minds so that we can receive the scriptures and believe what you have for us. Do a work in us that we can declare it was all you, where you get all the glory, and change us and transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to talk to you today about the joy of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When I met Sister Carolyn, the babe, the hot babe, in college, uh, we dated three years, and when we finished college at EKU, Eastern Kentucky, the fine establishment, being the colonel that I am, uh, I decided to take our relationship to the next level. And by doing so, I invited her to come home with me to live in the fabulous city of Bronx, New York. Who wouldn't want to live in the Bronx, right? It's, it's like Dreamtown in the Bronx. And uh, I was ready to take our relationship to the next level. Shortly after we got to New York, I knew that she was the one. And it was in a place called the River Cafe in Brooklyn where we got officially engaged to be married. I don't know if you can see the restaurant. It sits right on the water, overseeing the skyline in New York City. And I asked her to be my wife. And I was ready to take our relationship to the next level. Well, she, a couple of years later, she gives birth to our daughter, Kristen. And um, who, by the way, my daughter celebrated her 12th wedding anniversary yesterday. And uh, we're blessed uh, to have two grandchildren as well. But then most of you know my story. My life took a detour, and as the Jay Giles band once sang, well, I must have got lost somewhere down the line. The fact of the matter is I got lost way before somewhere down the line. Most of you know my story growing up in New York City. I grew up without a dad, left when I was six months old, victim of abuse, sexual abuse, being bullied, fighting for my life all the time. As a result of that, I resorted to drugs and alcohol and women and sex just to numb the pain in my life. Not only that, but I was a prideful kid. I had anger issues, full of rage. I was selfish. I had my identity stolen. I I struggled with panic attacks. I was nervous all the time. Uh, I had no confidence whatsoever. Couldn't do any public speaking whatsoever. On top of that, uh, I was bound by demonic spirits. I was exposed to a lot of demons, physical demons that would attack me since I was four years old, all throughout childhood in that apartment that I grew up on, on 427 East 114th Street. Grew up in poverty, a lot of infidelity. Basically, I made a train wreck of my life and my marriage. Fast forward, we get married. I have no idea. I have no capacity. Even though I thought I was in love, I had no capacity to love 
to love Carolyn. I had no capacity to love her because I didn't have the love of Christ in my heart. Didn't want anything to do with God. And so all my pain, all my past, all my sins, they eventually catch up to me because I reach a point in my life where I don't want to take responsibility for my own life. And when you don't take responsibility for your own life, you'll blame the ones you love the most. I did that, and I just went on about a seven, eight-year pathway and sick cycle of infidelity, of living a double life that was as hideous and just awful as it can be, and I destroyed our marriage. Well, during that time, Carolyn recommits her life to Jesus, starts praying to God, hears from God. We decide to move to Kentucky, and she's praying, not knowing what's going on in my life, enlists hundreds of people to pray for me. And then one day, she finds out about my secret life, for about my, this crazy life of infidelity. And she was devastated. And the only thing that, that I could tell you what happened was, is that she knew that we were done. She knew that there was no way she could ever forgive me. She knew that there was no way she could ever love me. She could ever trust me. She could ever take me back. Because she had no idea about the life that I was living. And it destroyed her. And we were done. And I knew, the only thing I knew at that moment is that I lost my family. And after about three weeks of screaming and yelling, we decided to have the meeting. And it was a meeting to talk about how we're going to break this thing up, how we're going to get a divorce, because there's no way we could continue. There's no way we could survive. And so she has a pastor pray for her, and she can tell you after that pastor prayed for her on the drive on Harrodsburg Road, we lived behind uh, Palomar Center at the time on Cave Hill Lane. She can tell you on Harrodsburg Road in front of Ramsey's Restaurant where the Holy Spirit came into her car and just simply took it away from her. Now she was praying, not just any prayer. She was crying out to God. There's no way I could do this. There's no way I could ever take him back. I don't even know how I'm going to face him tonight. It was a, it was a prayer of desperation. And she just cried and prayed and cried and prayed. And the Holy Spirit manifested himself came into that car, filled her up with his power and his grace. And when she walked home that night, it was not her that came home. When she walked through the door, I didn't even recognize this person. She had something on her that I've never seen. It was a peace, a confidence, and even a joy. And when she started to speak to me, I knew it was God speaking to me for the first time in my life where I could hear his voice and I knew it was God. Because she looked at me and said, Bill, God would never give up on you. And I'm not giving up on you. And God can forgive you for anything that you've ever done. And then she said this, and so can I. Now, to this day, she's never held me hostage to my past life. She went on to say, I don't know if I can forget what you've done, but I'm willing to, gi- I'm willing to give it a try if you're willing to give your life to Jesus Christ. I knew at that moment, that God loved me despite me because he just gave my wife the supernatural ability to forgive me and introduce me to Jesus and lay a boundary out saying, if we don't, if you don't give your life to Jesus, we're done. And I knew, I knew that that was God calling me home. And I knew that that was the night that I got saved because I asked Jesus to forgive me 
I asked him into my life, and I told God that night, I'll do anything you want me to do, just as long as I know it's you. And I want to tell you, everything changed from that night. God saved me, set me free, because the Holy Spirit showed up, showed off, came upon Carolyn, and said, game over. You're living for me, and you're going to die to yourself. End of game. Your life will be changed from this moment moving forward. You see, Carolyn, her desperation factor exceeded her embarrassment factor. And when that happened, she became a good candidate for the Holy Spirit to fill her and invade her life when she came home that night. And that was the night that everything changed. Now, God said that night, I spoke, he spoke to me and said, now go fight for your family. Now, I was really equipped and ready to take our marriage and relationship to the next level. And here's something me and Carolyn both knew at that moment and from that time moving forward. I knew from the beginning that just a normal relationship with Jesus was not enough to sustain the life that God called me to. Not, and there's nothing wrong with normal Christianity, getting saved, going to church, praying, doing a Bible study here and there, and just trying to grow our relationship with Jesus. Not enough. Not ordinary Christian Ordinary, an ordinary relationship would not been enough for us. I needed Jesus. I needed the word. I needed the father and I needed the Holy Spirit and I needed all of them that I can get. See, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me the night I got saved. There's no doubt about that. You know why? Because I woke up different and I knew it. I woke up with hope. I woke up with someone living inside of me. I woke up changed, full of faith. I woke up forgiven. I woke up as a new creation in Christ where the old is gone, the new has come. I woke up as a child of the one true king. I woke up saved, alive, and on the Lord's side, I woke up born again. And that's what happens when you get saved. But I had some people investing in my life. I had some people discipling me, and I'm so grateful for that. And they said to me early on, that God wanted to pour out his Holy Spirit on me and give me more and fill me with more than what I received on the night that I got saved. I said, how can God give me more than the night that I got saved when she had an encounter with God? I had an encounter with God. We got filled. We got blessed. We got healed. We got set free. She didn't even know what was happening. I woke up the next day and said, honey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I just knew it because I knew I was changed. But then these guys said, God wants to give you more. God wants to give you more of his Holy Spirit than when you got, when you got saved. And I thought to myself, wow, that's sort of odd. I've never heard that before. And then they said, yeah, don't you want more power? Don't you want more wisdom? Don't you want gifts of the Holy Spirit? Don't you want more of God and less of you? And that made sense to me. But then it wasn't like I was proficient in the scriptures or knew the scriptures, but I believed the scriptures. And I understood them. And then they walked me through the scriptures. And they showed me where Jesus wanted to fill me with his Holy Spirit. And that would, it would change my life. So I let them lay hands on me. I let them pray for me that I would get filled again with more of the Holy Spirit. And guess what happened? I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. God gave me the gift to pray 
in the Holy Spirit. I could see things I could never see before. Scripture came alive to me. I could love and see people through the eyes of Jesus. It changed everything. Well, when Carolyn came home that night, I couldn't wait for her to get home that night. I said, honey, you'll never believe what happened today. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got filled again with the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Check this out. And I started praying in the Spirit. She goes, you've lost your mind. I'm going to put you in a hospital. I don't know who you are. And uh, we didn't, the, the minions weren't around back then, but that's what it sounds like. You know, but it was just crazy, but it was crazy great. Crazy great because I got filled for the, with the Holy Spirit. And for the first time in my new walk with the Lord, I experienced something I wasn't pre- prepared for that literally blindsided me in such a beautiful and powerful way. It was just amazing. See, we made it as a couple because we both needed more of God and less of us to survive. Next year, Lord willing, on April 28th, we will celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary by the grace of God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get on I-75, go to that little Horse Creek Baptist Church in Manchester, Clay County. And on the way, we'll get it catered by Bucky's. <laughs> Anyone been to Bucky's? Been to Buc- Who's not been to Bucky's? Raise your hand. That's our altar call right now. <laughs> if you ain't been to Bucky's, you ain't been filled, you ain't been blessed. Because I'm telling you, that's I, first time I went to Bucky's, I said, this is heaven, isn't it? I'm just kidding. And nothing like Bucky's. I'm telling you. By God's grace, we'll celebrate 40 years of marriage. You know, every year I make this vow to the Lord. Let me love my wife better this year than last year. I want to be more in love with her the last time I see her than at any other point before. Because I have to be intentional about taking my relationship with her to the next level every year, every month, every day, every week. And you have to as well too. If you're not, if you're not investing in your marriage, your marriage could go stagnant. And you, you'll give the enemy room to attack. That's why I'm so grateful we have a ministry called Grace Marriage here. And we have a couple more sessions. I don't recommend a lot of books from stage, but my friend Brad Rhodes, who runs Grace Marriage, wrote a book. It's available on Amazon. I encourage you, if you're looking for a good devotional as a couple to do this summer, get this book. Uh, and it's a wonderful ministry. And if you want to join us, just contact me or just sign up for the next Grace Marriage session. Who wants a book this morning? Anybody want to? Free? There you go. There you go. Come up and get it. Gifts from the pulpit this morning. That's what we're doing. And so I hope that the investment that I make in my marriage, you're making the same investment with your relationship with the Lord. That you don't want to be stagnant. That you want to be intentional about loving the Lord and having the Lord give you more of himself every year with less of you. I need that every year. So I make the same vow to the Lord every year. Now, if being on Team Jesus was a sport, I like to talk a lot about stuff that has to do with sports because I'm a former athlete. The Gospels would place the disciples on the bench while their playing coach, Jesus, 
would lead by example. Every now and then, Jesus would get the disciples off the bench, and he would have them go out into a situation to do miracles empowered by the Holy Spirit. But for the most part, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it was Jesus doing most of the miracles while the disciples were on the bench waiting for their name to be called and sent into the game. Now, if you're a basketball fan, and I am, I can't stand it. This is one of the things that really bothers me. When a player makes a mistake and the coach yanks him out of the game, and in front of everyone in the arena or even on TV, he makes that player feel worthless. That really bothers me. You see, some coaches have a way of bringing out the best in their players and setting them up for success by creating an atmosphere where they learn how to play up to and even better than their potential. But some coaches can never bring out the best in their players, therefore never setting them up for success by getting their players to the next level. Here's another aspect about coaching. Organizations often have to find a different coach that better connects with the team in order to bring out the best in them. In many cases, the coach, the new coach that they're going to bring in, is not necessarily more skilled, smarter, or even better than the previous coach. But that new coach that leads them to the promised land is better skilled at personally connecting with them from the inside instead of just on the surface, than the previous coach was. This is what the owner of the greatest franchise, the owner of the universe, our father in heaven, not the athletic director, but the holy director of the universe did. He sent in another coach. He sent in another helper. See, Jesus was only able to reach their intellect, but he was never a permanent fixture in their hearts, because he lived among them, but not in them. Power came upon the disciples to do miracles in the Gospels, but they were never able to sustain the life of miracles because power didn't reside in them. And the Father had to do something about it. Jesus did his work, and the Father had to send in another coach. Now, the UK basketball program has a dramatic event that ushers in a new team every year. It's called Midnight Madness. Anyone ever been to Midnight Madness? Pretty awesome. God planned a much better event than Midnight Madness. He organized a day of Pentecost gladness and unleashed the full force of the Holy Spirit to fill us, to come upon us, to empower us to live in us, to counsel us, to guide us in truth, to be our personal interpreter of scripture, to give us gifts, to seal us until the day of of redemption, to give us power, not regular power, but resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available for us through the Holy Spirit. And then to live a life of that, to live a life of that power, to live a life of miracles, Because the author and creator of miracles now lives inside of us. Anyone glad that you got resurrection power living inside of you? He sent the Holy Spirit to birth the church of Jesus Christ. And spread the name, fame, 
and message of Jesus that through that name and only that name, the world could receive forgiveness of sins and inherit eternal life in heaven. That is the greatest news, the greatest message of all time. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it would never have been made possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. He took the most unqualified misfits, castouts, and least likely group of people to be put in charge of the most important Christian enterprise and startup church that ever existed. In essence, the early church was made up of 120 failures who fled and disowned Jesus before he was crucified. They weren't courageous. They weren't faithful. Matter of fact, they lacked faith. They lacked courage. Yet, after the events in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, those same nobodies, they became somebodies. And they were suddenly transformed. With courage and faith, they turned their community and eventually the world upside down. Now, it wasn't a result of their seminary training. They didn't have any. They couldn't hand out copies of the New Testament. It hadn't been written yet. It wasn't because they were wealthy, had the greatest sound system, light show, HD screens, HD screens like we do back there, fog machines, skinny jeans, and all that stuff. They were poor people without a church building. To the existing Jewish religious establishment, those early Christians were mocked as unlearned and ignorant people with few resources. They thought they were drunk. They thought they were crazy. But one thing they did possess was being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told them to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit for everything. Now, I love a good farewell talk. I don't know if you've ever seen a good farewell speech, maybe by a president, maybe by a sports figure. Maybe I think of Jimmy Valvano, where he always said, never give up, never give up, when he was battling cancer. I think of Lou Gehrig, The Pride of the Yankees. It's one of my favorite feel-good movies, Pride of the Yankees. He got up, his greatest first baseman ever, and he, he just got up and struggling with ALS, knowing he had a death sentence, and he said, I feel like I'm the luckiest man on the face of this planet. And uh, it was one of the greatest speeches ever. And, uh, but I think the best farewell speech ever given is found in the pages of John, chapter 14, 15, and 16, when Jesus is preparing his disciples one last time, one last supper, before he's getting ready to be taken away and crucified, And he's basically preparing them to say goodbye to him, but hello to the Holy Spirit. And he gives them a list of things that the Holy Spirit's going to do. He sort of gives them an introductory to all that the Holy Spirit will do when he comes upon them. See, Jesus knew that he was only able to fill their minds and teach them from the outside in. Jesus knew that the Holy Spirit would fill their hearts and teach them from the inside out. That's where change happens, from the inside out. His time was up. The Father was sending the helper. See, when the Holy Spirit invaded my life, power I never had enabled me 
to do things I never could do. And since that day, it's been apparent to me, 25 years later, that God was adamant about me wanting to live a life of extreme faith, experiencing the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit in my life because I would be nothing without it. Now, I know I'm the pastor of Encounter and Grace Marriage and one of the pastors on staff here. But my job is to really encourage you in your faith, to build your faith up, but compel you to live a life of radical faith, to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the free gift of eternal salvation, but also trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you can't do because nothing is impossible for God. We say that all the time. Nothing is impossible for God. But do you actually believe it? Do you actually believe that nothing is impossible for God? The same God who said, is anything too hard for me? When I act, who can reverse it? Nothing is impossible for God. And so the question is, are you experiencing that type of miraculous power in your life? Or is there a power shortage today? Because every assignment I ever received from God was to encourage those around me in the area of faith, prayer, and trusting in the, in the person and power of the Holy Spirit to do what you can't do. No one has the power and grace to live out God's plan for our lives without the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God's power is practical. He didn't give us the Holy Spirit so that we, we would behave strangely like that guy. He gave us the Holy Spirit for this simple reason, to live the life he calls us to live. And I think that's the struggle because we don't know the life that he's called us to live for so many believers. I do. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly where I'm headed. God knows the plans he has for you. He knows the specific plan that he has for each and every one of you. Now, the general plan of God for your life always found in the pages of Scripture. What type of person to marry, what you should do with your money, but who to marry, where to go, where to live, where to work. The specific will of God for your life can only be found by the Holy Spirit speaking to you and leading you. That's why it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as much of the Holy Spirit that you can get. Because whatever he calls you to do, he'll enable us to do the work that he's called you to do. Whatever he tells you to do, he'll give you the grace and the provision and the power to do it. You see, it is power for a purpose. It's always power with a purpose. And the early believers knew firsthand that Christianity was hopeless without the Holy Spirit. That's what Samuel Chadwick said. Christianity is hopeless without the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul put it this way. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, he does not belong to Christ. Now that's interesting because in the Bible, you are identified as a believer if you had the Spirit. If you didn't have the Holy Spirit, you were not identified as a believer if you weren't filled with the Spirit. See, it would have been impossible 
for the apostles to consider someone a true believer in Jesus without the accompany witness work and power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was the bottom line. See, the power of God and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. Where you see one, you see the other. Here are some benefits. This is simple stuff. It would take us six, seven talks just to talk about, even more, 20, 30 talks on the Holy Spirit to, to basically communicate to you all that he does, all the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So call the babysitter. We'll be here till nine tonight. I'm only going to give you a few. So we get out of here on time. Here are some benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to pray God's will. If we're struggling with knowing what God wants us to do. Here's what it says in Romans 8, 26, 27. The Spirit also helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us, watch this, with groanings which cannot be uttered. Because the Holy Spirit is praying in the Spirit the perfect prayer for you personally. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So what's happening there is that the Holy Spirit is praying and fighting and pleading with you, for you, to God. Jesus is praying for you. He lives to make intercession for the saints. Jesus is praying for you. The Holy Spirit's praying for you. That should bring you comfort this morning. That Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in sync, praying the perfect will of God, that you get it that you hear it, that you know it, that you live it, and invites you to join with them by praying with the Spirit, in the Spirit, something you can't even comprehend, but the Spirit comprehends, and inviting you to join Him by praying the perfect will of God for your life. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. There's no better joy than to know that you're in sync with the Holy Spirit. Praying the perfect will of God for your life. It doesn't get any better than that. Next, the Holy Spirit gives you a holy heart transplant. I love that. That allows the Holy Spirit to guide you to a life of obedience and blessing. That's what happened to me. That's why my life verse is Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, which says, Then I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You'll no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart with new and right desires. And I'll put a new spirit in you. And I'll take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. And I take great delight. And doing what God tells me to do. Because my job every day is to wake up and say, God, how can I please you? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And I want to please the Holy Spirit by obeying what the Spirit tells me to do, what the Word tells me to do every day of my life. Out of gratitude, not obligation, for what Jesus has done for me and how he's given me the Holy Spirit in my life. There's no better life. There's no better joy than to be filled with the Holy Spirit and get that whole, let me tell you something. I've had a heart transplant. It didn't even hurt at all. I woke up, got saved, 
Woke up the next morning, had a new heart. I could love better. I could see better. I could, I got, I'm telling you, it changed me. I've never been the same and I'm never going back. I hope you don't go back. Next, and this is what God did for me. Again, this is third grade level stuff. The Holy Spirit gives us dominion and power over sin. Some people say, I can't overcome this stuff. You are lying. Yes, you can. Romans 8 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. The question is, who's in control? Who's in control? So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. But the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. The question is, who's in control? The question is, does he have all of you? Are you allowing him to release everything he has in you? You see, you're never in control until he has control. And you'll never get it together until you let the Holy Spirit put you back together. And when the Holy Spirit has control over your life and you, and you give him operating room, look out. Nothing can stop you and the plan of God for your life. Next, and this is the process of discipleship. The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. This is part of Jesus' farewell speech. In John 16, he says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He's going to tell you things to come. He's not going to speak on his own authority. And let me say this. I didn't say this on the first service, but I need to say this. He only speaks what he hears. In other words, there's never a ministry just about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in sync and never does anything outside the Father in Jesus. There's never a ministry just about the Holy Spirit. But there's also never a ministry just about the Word where you don't want the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's just cemetery right there. Yet on this hand, you don't want an insane asylum where people are just all about the Holy Spirit getting away from the Word. You want the best of both. You want the Word, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit will bring everything that Jesus did and illuminate his life. His, jo- his main job is to bring the spotlight on Jesus. And so whenever someone is doing anything that has to do with the Holy Spirit, always know it's always been, always has been, always will be about Jesus. Keeping the main thing about Jesus. It's never a, a ministry apart from Jesus. So he guides us in truth. He teaches us all things. The counselor. The Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. He reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. He will explain what Scripture means. Watch this. And what it means to you personally. These are prayers that people pray when they do the encounter Bible study. Lord, what are you saying? 
and then they wait, and, they, and then God speaks to them. And they write down what God says. And then, they, and then the second prayer is, what are you saying to me personally? It's a different prayer. Then how do you want me to live this out? You see, the Holy Spirit will explain what Scripture means to you personally and how he wants you to live it out. He'll illustrate by whatever means necessary what the Scripture means to you. And how he wants you to live that out. And if you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to be your personal guide and interpreter, then you're going to open yourself up to the devil and people who will always distort the word of God. And there's a great danger reading the scriptures without asking the Holy Spirit to teach us to what he inspired really means. That's why when I open up this book and I get up in the morning, I get up at five every morning. That's a big thing around my house. I'm just going to go to bed early and get up at five. You know what happens when I get up early in the morning? I meet, I meet Jesus and I meet the Holy Spirit. I meet the Father. I meet the Word and I meet the power of prayer. And you know what? God ministers to me. But if I don't open up this book and say, Holy Spirit, explain what you inspired really means to me. How do you want me to apply this to my life? How do you want me to teach it? Then it's just a book. It's just a normal book that won't do anything to you. But if I ask the Holy Spirit to teach me what's in that book and to tell me how he wants me to live it out, then it comes alive. And it's been coming alive to me ever since. And if the Holy Spirit's not allowed to operate like that, then like so many, we can fall into the habit of reading scripture just to justify what we, are, what we already believe. And if any verse troubles you or you disagree with it, then you're just gonna discard it. That's why you have to make the Holy Spirit your personal guide allowing him to guide you into truth. Now, everybody, I imagine, grew up with some type of character in your neighborhood. Some guy that you could remember that was really funny, that you've never forgotten about. Well, I grew up with a lot of characters in East Harlem in New York City. I had a lot of Italian guys. We had this one guy in my neighborhood. His name was Vinnie Bird. You know why they called him Vinnie Bird? Because his nose walked into the room two minutes before he did. That's why they called him Vinnie Bird. Vinnie Bird was one of the funniest guys in the world. And he looked like, I don't know if you've seen this guy. You know who that guy is? You sure? Show the second one. That's, that's Al from Happy Days. Vinnie Bird looked like Al the cook from Happy Days, except Vinnie Bird's nose was twice as big as Al's. This is a big snozzola. And Vinnie Bird had this way of talking what you think I talk with my hands. Vinnie Bird could talk what is, he was the greatest illustrator I've ever seen in my life. One day I'm walking down my block and he calls my name. I can see him halfway down the block. He says, Billy Batch calls me Batch because that was one of my nicknames growing up. And everyone knew I played basketball and I was crazy out of my mind. And, uh, and I, and I see him and he's making all these moves like this halfway down the block. Billy. Come over and he's doing this. He's dribbling like this. He's dribbling like he's doing behind the back crossover. I mean, he's doing a shimmy like Stephon Curry, step back, Bobby Jack. I never seen moves like that, you know. And the kicker was when I got close, he's like, "You want, you want to, you want to play?" He had no basketball in his hands. He had he had an invisible ball in his hands. He goes, "You want to play basketball?" You know, like that. As if I couldn't tell what he's asking me to do. One day I turned the corner, he's standing on, on his back on the corner, 
And he's just leaning against the wall like this. And he's doing this. I said, Vinny, what's going on? He goes, got a job. I said, what kind of job did you get? I got a job working construction. <laughs> I said, I would have never guessed. It's one of the funniest guys I know. Vinny had one purpose in life. He wanted to make it impossible for you to miss what he was communicating to you by whatever means necessary. You want to play basketball? Just like that. He made sure you knew exactly what he was doing and what he was saying. And there would be no misunderstanding of what he was communicating to you in his sort of own special, unique way that no one else could do. Friends, no one can teach you the Bible like the Holy Spirit. No one can represent Jesus to you like the Holy Spirit. No one can fill you like the Holy Spirit. No one can illustrate to you the plan of God for your life like the Holy Spirit can. The Holy Spirit fills us with his power, watch this, to break chains and strongholds. Everybody needs to hear that. Ephesians 5.18 says this, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. It's a key, key verse, because it's not a suggestion, it's a command. It's sort of like a military command. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's the answer. Don't get drunk with wine, drugs, pornography, insecurity, gossip, codependency, overeating, religious pride, whatever it is. Don't get wasted away on that. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, why would God put a command in the Bible to believers that already received the Holy Spirit when they got saved? And give a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit after they got saved, which is what you read over and over in the New Testament, like in the book of Acts. If you go to a normal seminary today, they'll tell you, if you're going to study the book of Acts, most of them will tell you, well, this is what happened back then. It's, this, this can't happen today, but it happened back then for us. But listen, that's right. God is the same. Listen, the Father said, I'm the Lord that God that changes not. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he wants to come upon you and fill you with this power, love, and grace, he will do it. If he wants to do miracles, he will do it. If he wants to pour out his spirit, he'll do it. If he wants revival to break out in this church, he will do it. And the only one and the only thing that, will, that can never make that happen is you. Is unbelief and the resistance. Oh, that's not what I was taught. Well, it's not important what you were taught. Like we sang earlier, sometimes God needs to break those traditions. If your traditions don't line up with scripture, then you need to throw that tradition out the window. Now, here it is. Man, I am joy filled today. <laughs> Key point. Now I've turned into Kramer. <laughs> Zoop. 
God's power within determines the power that comes out of us. This is so important. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, imagine, now here it is, according to his power that is at work within us. This is a key, key point here. When we say God is able, we should be saying the Holy Spirit is able. Because Jesus is with the Father. The Father is with Jesus. They're both in heaven. We have access to them. But the Holy Spirit of God is the only agent of God we have with us. And anything that God wants to accomplish in our lives is always going to be accomplished through the Holy Spirit. Don't you think it's a good idea to get to know him and have a relationship with him as well as Jesus and the Father? So when we say God is able, he's able. I mean, the best news that I can give you today is that he's able. The Holy Spirit is able. He can do anything. There's nothing impossible for God. Now all glory to God who's able to do this. We say it as a prayer, but we say it in safe ways. We thank God in safe ways. The kind of power I'm talking about is power beyond what you can ask or think. This is power. The same power that came upon my wife. It's the same power of God that healed me. That had a death sentence. That was dying. And a week later, God changed my blood work. Said, you're not dying. That's the power of God. When God comes through in ways you never expected. When God blows your mind. When God allows you to experience something so amazing, you can't explain it. All you can say is, but God, but the Holy Spirit. Fact is, when you're looking, when you're losing heart, you're not looking for the ordinary. You're looking for the supernatural dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that that power that lives inside of you can do more than your greatest prayer, dream, or even expectation. But there's a condition. According to the power within you. In other words, it's not for everybody. I'm sorry. It's just not. It can be. That's God's will that he wants it to be for everybody. But the sad news today is it won't be for everybody. And here's the reason why. God looks at the power within you and me before he determines the power that comes out. That's what the scripture says, according to the power within us. See, whatever power you allow to work within you will have permission to be released through you. If I could break it down in simple terms, it would be this. The more operating room I give the Holy Spirit living inside of me, the more permission I give that power to be released through me. And all it takes is a mustard seed of faith to say, God, is that's you, I want it. If that's you, I believe it. Doesn't matter what I was told, I believe that you are the same. And if you want to pour out your Holy Spirit on me, if you want to do something miraculous, I'm in today. I think that's what the Spirit is calling us, to expand not only our minds, but to expand our faith. And to really, really believe that nothing is impossible for God. I don't know about you, but I need the power of the Holy Spirit when I'm weak. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to save me. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to pick me up when I'm down, down and out, 
and lonely. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to raise me from the dead when I die. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat the sins in my life. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the storms in my life. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat the giants in my life, to cut off the giant's head and to walk around with that giant's head saying, no more, no more ever again will you attack me. Because when you come against me, you come against the power of God. I need the Holy Spirit and I need to give him operating room that he desires so he can navigate the impossible going on around me. The more crazy it gets around me, the more room I need to give the Holy Spirit. And here's what it comes down to in Acts 1.8. Here's what, here's what it comes down to. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You catch that? Power for a purpose. Power will come upon you. See, the only thing I knew when power came upon me, I never had any desire to be a pastor, work in a church. But I instinctively had to tell the world about how Jesus saved me. About how he forgave me of all my sins. He gave me a new lease on life and how I was going to heaven. I didn't have to read that scripture. I didn't know that scripture. I just knew that I was saved, free, forgiven, and set free. And I needed to tell the whole world about it. That's what happens when power comes upon you. Now, the Holy Spirit's power is given us, watch this, because we're broken, we live in a broken world, and God wants to rescue us from our brokenness and then partner with us by depositing the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit in us so we can change the world one soul at a time. One soul at a time. Now, I love the fact that we do EE, and there's been a great run of Steve taking out a bunch of people, and, and every time they go out, people have been giving their lives to Jesus Christ. You know, Encounter's been running almost three years. Do you know, I think there's only one night, maybe two, max, out of three years that we've been running consecutively, where someone or a group of people haven't given their lives to Jesus for the first time on a Friday night. Every Friday night, people get saved. It's not because I'm this great orator or I know this, I know that. It's because the Holy Spirit's in charge. And no one comes to the Father except the Spirit that draws them first. And the Holy Spirit's job is, just like Jesus, he cares for lost souls as well. So, so many people get saved. On Friday, any guys been here on Friday night that got saved? There we go. Look at that. See, come on now. That's pretty awesome right there. When you're sick, he has the power to heal you. When you're broke, he has the power to supply all your needs. He's able. That's the best news I give you. He's able. When you're brokenhearted, crushed in your spirit, He'll save you, and he'll be close to you. When you're battling an addiction, a stronghold in your life, he's able to break every chain, pull down every stronghold, break every yoke of bondage in your life. Because I don't know if you know this, but God specializes in the returning of lost property in our lives. Whatever's been stolen of you, your faith, your identity, 
You got a prodigal that's lost, you got someone you've been praying about. God specializes in returning lost property. He specializes in taking whatever the enemy meant for evil, turning it around, making it good, and returning and restoring what the locusts have stolen a hundredfold in your life. If you allow the Holy Spirit to do it for you. I'm pretty excited about this stuff because I've seen God do this in my life, and I want, and if God can do it for me, a nobody and nothing from New York who blew his life, never wanted anything to do with God, he can do it for you. God's no respecter of persons. When you die, he's able. And he has the power to resurrect your soul, meet you in the air, create a glorified body prepared for heaven. Boy, I can't wait for that day. Boy, do I need a new body today, but I'll wait for my glorified body in heaven. He'll rush you into the presence of your almighty father, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just so you can hear, well done, welcome home, and let the party begin. The Holy Spirit will do all of that for you. And I think if he can do that for you, I think he can take care of whatever is going on in your life here. Don't you think? Is God able? Come on now. Okay, last point. Dr. Luke, you can come out. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you with power so you can grasp how much Jesus loved you. This is important. Ephesians 3, one, I think one of the greatest prayers ever prayed. It says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. That's the starting point. Then your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And here's the progression of discipleship right here. And may you have the power. Because you never, without the power of God, you'll never understand what the Apostle Paul is praying here. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. In other words, you'll never be able to comprehend the full love of Jesus for you without the Holy Spirit. And you want to be complete? This is how you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We all need the Holy Spirit. His prayer is to give us full access, not only to the love of God, to Jesus, but to the power of God that reveals the revelations of the love of God in our lives. And he presents this idea that the depth of the miraculous resurrection power in your life is tied directly to you being blown away by the wonder of his love for you. Isn't that amazing thought for us this morning? I want you to know the love of Christ. I want you to know something you never know in your own understanding and capability. I don't know if you ever remember the show Love Connection. Chuck Willery, remember that guy? Before commercial break, he said, we'll be back, right? Two and two, right? What did that mean? I mean, a commercial break, two minutes and two seconds every time. I, I, I love that. He, he, was, he was like Mr. Cupid. 
connecting couples together. I can't help but think that the lack of power in our lives from the Holy Spirit is due to a a poor love connection with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Can't say I love Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. Can't say I love the Father, not Jesus. Question is, do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit like that? Do you love him too? It's not an it, it's a he. He's the third person, not the third wheel of the Trinity. My question is, how deep, how deep is your love for the Holy Spirit? When you pray, are you like Chuck, telling God you'll be back in two and two, but never really take the time to be in his presence? Never taking time to praise him, thank him, and declare your love back to a God who loves you more than you could ever know? Paul is saying, I want you to know the love of Christ. That surpasses all knowledge because God will do anything and has done everything to prove his love to you. I'm going to ask the rest of the worship team to come on out. But before they come on out, I'm going to give you directions for communion. I want everyone to take the elements, but I want you to hold on to them. And during our final set of worship and songs that we're going to sing, which I think would be perfect because it was orchestrated, not because of a a worship leader said these would be good songs, but the Holy Spirit put the whole service together today. Everything is in sync today. And so what God wants you to do is revel and meditate and be thankful for the love of Christ that the Holy Spirit is revealing to you today. See, the power of the Holy Spirit will reveal the love of Christ to you. And there's no greater love story than what Jesus did for you on the cross, which is why he says, I want you to remember what I've done for you and do this often. So every time you take a a piece of bread, it demonstrates the greatest demonstration of love in the history of the world and how my body was broken, beaten, and destroyed so your life, your body, and your soul can have new life. And every time you take a piece of bread, I don't ever want you to forget what I've done for you. That's love. I don't want you to forget this outrageous act of love that I've done because I had you personally in mind. And when you drink the juice, when you take a drink, I don't ever want you to forget the blood that was sacrificed for your sins so that you can be free from sin, so that you can be healed, so that you can be set free, and that nothing in all creation can stop the plan of God in your life. This is my body, and this is my blood that was shed for you. There is no greater love story than what I've done for you. And if you receive that love, you receive me, and now I want you to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. 
I got baptized in the power of God. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea I could hear from God and that God can actually speak to me. It wasn't shortly after that I was asked to go speak somewhere to a bunch of kids, about 300 kids. And I had no idea who, who they were, but I was praying. And I had my Bible open and all the kids were walking by. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me as they were walking by. And one young man, middle school kid, walked by me. And I heard just as loud as clear, just right in my spirit right there. I said, go over and tell that boy that I love him. And share the verse that you're reading right now. And I was in Psalm 34, verse 18, which says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. You know what I told the Lord? No. Because I didn't know what it... This was new to me. I didn't want to be one of those, you know, lunatics. I, I said in the first service, God's looking for good fruit, not religious nuts. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of those nuts. But then God wouldn't let it go. Every five minutes, he would say, go over, that, go over and tell that boy that I love him and share that verse with him. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. And I kept on telling God no. I said, I'm not that type of Christian. I was being disobedient to the voice, to the power, to the calling of the Holy Spirit. Night progressed. God kept on telling me to do it. I was sitting with a pastor and his wife who were putting on the event. There were about 12, 15 kids at every table. God tells me to do it again. I look over. There was one kid on one table with his head down looking like he was sobbing. And God, and it was the boy. And God said, go over and tell that boy that I love him and share that verse with him. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. I said no again. Now, all I can tell you is, I remember the pastor saying, tell me about your ministry. And I started talking, and just a bunch of junk was coming out. And I was just being, I was being disobedient, and I was full of myself, thinking I'm here to share my testimony. In the middle of me speaking, something came upon me and shut my mouth why I couldn't physically open up my mouth. And I started crying uncontrollably. This is five minutes before I'm getting ready to get up and speak. And the leaders are saying, great, our guest speaker is having a nervous breakdown. (laughs) This is not good. And then I heard God speak to me again. He said, if you don't go over and tell that boy that I love him, share that verse with him, I'll shut you down tonight. I said, I'll go. I'll go. Holy Spirit forced me to go because I was being disobedient. I went up to the kid who's by himself, sobbing. I tapped him on his shoulder. I said, son, how are you doing? You know how I know it was God and not me or something I was thinking of? The kid looked up to me. His were his first words. I'm so brokenhearted. And I'm crushed in my spirit. And I looked at him and I said, when you came in here tonight, God pointed you out to me. And he wanted me to come over and tell you that he's the father you've always been looking for. 
And you know what you just said? God had me share, God wanted me to share this verse with you. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. He looked at me and said, are you a pastor? I said, no. I'm just someone that realized I have a father in heaven that loves me very much. And he just gave me the biggest hug. I was able to share my test. That was the only reason I went to share my testimony. Let me ask you. I'm going to ask you all to stand up. We're going to, we're going to worship. We're going to take communion. Whatever you need from the Holy Spirit. You need a refill. You need to do something he's telling you to do. You need power in your life. I want you to come to the altar. I want you to pray with someone, but I want you to worship. And as we worship, you take the elements. And don't you dare thank God in safe ways this morning. I want you to worship like you've never worshiped before. And declare your love for him. Because he has demonstrated and has declared his love for you.
we've been praying for you as a team and just wanted to share, just call some things out. If this is you, the Lord wants you to know that he sees you today. Um, if anyone is having pain in the space below the C8, please come and get prayer. Um, the Lord is wanting to heal cataracts. I'm commissioning many people today. If you feel like that's you, please let us pray for you before you go. Remaining pain from a surgery, he wants to heal and remove scar tissue and nerve pain. He wants to remove arthritis. He says, is there anything too difficult for me? So if this is you, you are welcome. We're actually going to let Luke and Allison continue to minister and worship. Um, Bill, you can come on. Um, but if this is you, please come and let us pray for you. Or if you have any other needs for healing, we would love to partner with you in prayer. I feel led to, to pray for everyone. If you felt the, the stirring of God in you today, just know it's the Holy Spirit. Whatever you need from God, healing, as Julie mentioned, let God do what he wants to do in your life. Let him heal you. Let him set you free and empower you. We'll stay as long as we can once we dismiss. I'm going to pray for you to receive all that God has for you. I'm going to pray that you receive the Father, the Son, and everything the Holy Spirit has for you. So if that's you, say, Lord Jesus, everything starts with you. I receive you into my life. Thank you for saving me. My trust is in you. I trust you for my sins. I trust you to write my name in heaven's book because you died for me. I believe that you are the Christ. And I can't get to my Father in heaven without you. I can't pray what we started this service without you. Saying, our Father who rules and reigns in heaven. But through you, Jesus, I have access to my Father who loves me more than I'll ever know. And thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and saving me. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for living inside of me, but also empowering me. The Holy Spirit I give you full permission to fill me again, to baptize me, to give me an extra measure of your love, healing, power, to do what you've called me to do. Fill me again so that I may know how wide and how deep the love of Christ is for my life. Thank you for blessing me and filling me and giving me power I don't have that I now have to do what you've called me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Please walk out quietly. Come forward, whatever prayer that you need. Allow the Holy Spirit to continue to minister to you as we soak in his presence.
you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus for the first time, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the CLS family. There's also a prayer request form. You can let us know how we can be praying for you. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope to see you next week.